Welcome to this episode of Dental IQ. I'm your host, Fabio Alfieri, and this week I sat down with Dr. Darren Weiss, a remarkable professional whose work is having a seriously important impact on the lives of less fortunate people all around the world. Dr. Weiss founded the Humble Smile Foundation, an organization that travels to countries such as South Africa, Cambodia, and Romania to provide support to the communities and implement changes that ensure a healthier future for their oral health. Stay tuned and listen to Darren talk about some of the things they experience in these countries and the difference his foundation is making every day. Dr. Darren Weiss, thank you very much for joining us this week on Dental IQ. Hi, Fabio. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Of course. Darren, you work on a lot of extraordinary things in your career currently, and I'm really, really excited to talk to you about them, as I'm sure all of our listeners are excited to hear about. But just so that everybody can get to know you a little bit, let's sort of start at the beginning uh, and talk about yourself. I would love to hear about your education and sort of what piqued your interest to sort of dive into this field. First of all, you know, what's the field? I think the field that I'm involved in today is called global oral health. So I guess we'll talk about about that a bit later. How did I get there? Um, I grew up in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and I studied dentistry at the University of Melbourne. And then um, I I practiced a little bit in in Australia. And then about 30 years ago, I uh, moved to Israel, which is where I am now. And that's where I'm talking to you from Tel Aviv. And I continued uh, doing uh, my doing private practice uh, for many years. I think I I did more than, you know, 22, 23 years of just being a a regular clinical family dentist. Um, The question is, how do I I go from that to be working in a a relatively newly labelled field called global oral health? Well, I think that you know, for, for many, many years, I did what most dentists do, uh, which is about refining our, you know, our, um, our um, talents and our abilities and our honing our skills and gaining knowledge. And I was very focused on building the practice and doing the best dentistry I could. And, of course, dentistry for us meant you know, restorative dentistry, surgical dentistry, you know, you have uh, diseased uh, dental tissue and you take it out and you restore it and, uh, and, you, and you preserve the person's smile and, and, and that's what dentistry is about. It's very complicated. Um, it's getting more and more technical and you really have to keep up if you want to really be doing the best service to your patients. So, I wasn't thinking much outside of that, but over the years, as I was treating these patients, uh, I started thinking what happens to the people that actually uh, cannot get the kind of dental treatment that I'm doing, you know, because let's face it, you know, it's relatively expensive to do that kind of, uh, of perfect, almost perfect restorative dentistry takes a lot of time and knowledge and effort and, and it's expensive. So I started looking into this question, what happens to those people? And, uh, and, and after a while of research, I realised that actually most people uh, do not have access to dentistry at all. Um, and increasingly in these places where there are no dentists, let's say, uh, they are uh, congesting more and more sugar. Okay, Sugar is causing uh, tooth decay. It's spread out almost to every place in the world these days. So tooth decay is really on the rise, but in in most places, people cannot get treatment. So I said, what's going on there? And I found out that there are very good-hearted and well-meaning dentists 
that do form missions every now and again, and they go out to these, you know, rural places in Africa or Asia or wherever, and they bring in their mobile, you know, the mobile dental containers or caravans, and they hook it up to the electricity and to, you know, and they and they do dentistry for these for these vulnerable people. And it occurred to me that this doesn't sound right because what 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 we're actually doing is is looking at a huge problem which we don't face in our own communities and we want to try and solve it the way that we exactly the way that we do things in our own communities but it's a yeah, vastly right. it's a vastly different problem over there and and actually i came up with um with a metaphor that explains it very well to myself uh and, and i uh, and i it occurred to me that dentistry is to global disease, what air conditioning is to global warming. Okay, now what do I mean by that? And what I mean is if you want to solve the problem, a global problem of warming, which, which has become very, very you know, relevant right now, right? You wouldn't go to the North Pole where the, where the caps are melting away with an air conditioner. I mean, that's not gonna, you know, that's not gonna help much. No, nothing against air conditioners, right? Because air conditioners are very helpful on an individual level. They, you plug them in on a hot day and it really helps a lot. But to make uh, an impact on a, on a global issue like global warming, <laughs> the air conditioner not only is it not going to cool anything down, but it's actually going to generate heat. And another point is that you'd have nowhere to plug it in over there. There's no electricity. Okay. So I thought that, you know, that that was a good metaphor for me. And we have to think about tackling global oral health, in other words, uh, oral diseases and conditions in, in areas that I described where there's no solution, um, we have to think of different ways of doing this. There's no, we, we can't keep doing our Western regular clinical high-tech dentistry in these places. It's not appropriate. And that's what got me to thinking that, uh, you know, I really want to do something about this. So I've been doing my usual dentistry for long enough, and this is where I want to now, um, you know, make an impact. And uh, I could go on and on, but to cut a, a long story short, that's what, um, that was what drove me to set up uh, a nonprofit organisation called the Humble Smile Foundation. Mm. And the Humble Smile Foundation... Its, its mission is to search for models that are appropriate for global oral health, for models of, of dentistry or oral health care that do work for the millions of people that are in that very, very uh, awkward position of not having a solution uh, for, their, uh, for the cavities and for the disease in their mouths. And it turns out that there are about Three and a half billion of these people around the world, 2.4 billion adults have untreated tooth decay. Okay, wow. this is something we know from the Global uh, Burden of Disease Study in 2015. So I, think, I hope that gives you a bit of an understanding of, of what I do and, and why. Of course, of course. So the way that you kind of defined it is global oral health is sort of the oral care for the people who are more vulnerable and the people who have less access to these facilities and are sort of 
experiencing these things such as tooth decay on such a large scale in their communities, but have absolutely no access to the right treatment to actually help it. Yes, that's correct. I would just add one thing to global oral health, and that is because of the, the, the situation that you described so well just then, the treatment or the solutions in global oral health are going to be population orientated. When when we have a patient in global oral health is a community. Mm. Okay. So when we go, so like just like a dentist will sit you down on the chair and do a a treatment, an exam, and and then a treatment plan, and then the whole thing. So in global oral health, we go into a community, we do a needs test, you know, we survey. Uh, the, the problem, the survey the people, we, we try to understand what are the main problems, then we search for the, for the causes, what's causing these problems, and then we design interventions on a population level that can prevent the disease further down the line. Okay, so these interventions mm. are going to be community-focused uh, interventions. And you're saying that sugar is one of the biggest sort of contributing factors now. Yes, uh, sadly, uh, sugar, big, I would call it big sugar. Um, uh, uh, this is something that uh, hasn't been tackled. We all know that, uh, that smoking has been tackled and, and we, can, we can see the results of the limits in, in advertising and everything that goes along with smoking because of the, of the detrimental health effects of smoking. But for some reason, when it comes to sugar, not much is being done, even though there is a slight you know, change. We're starting to see some labelling going on there about high sugar content. But, yeah, sugar is, the, is really the cause of this dental decay epidemic around the world. And um, not enough is being done to address this, particularly for children. For example, advertising, you know, you're constantly seeing, children are constantly seeing, you know, Coca-Cola, Pepsi ads. Um, you know, you have these sweet things at the checkouts, which are easy to get to. You know, there seems to be no thought or regulation about this. And I guess it's because big sugar is so big. In fact, the, the, there's a, a Lancet commission, it's called, and they investigated this and they found that the, the total budget, the yearly budget for Coca-Cola and Pepsi together is greater than the budget of 125 countries, each one. So we're talking about... uh, 125 uh, countries. Yeah, like each one of those 125 countries has a a, a gross domestic product which is less than the combined uh, of the big sugar. So what that that means to me is that they're quite helpless uh, in a way. You know these mm. these countries, and and big sugar has saturated the Western world, right? We know that, so they're looking for where they can now find, you know, open up new markets, and and these are going to be the countries that really have no way of uh, fending for themselves. Mm. And uh, actually, it's interesting that we're talking about this because uh, the WHO is now working on a strategy for decreasing uh, global oral disease. And really, I think for the first time, it's talking about the commercial determinants of oral diseases, which is what we're talking about, you know, advertising and stuff like that, for the first time. And it's also talking about integrating um, oral care into into general 
primary care, and there's a lot of change going on. One of them is um, recognizing the commercial determinants of oral disease. And, and just personally, I went through a, um, a strategy paper that the WHO sent me to, for, for feedback. And, and my only feedback was, you know, WHO has to take the lead here against, um, not against, but to work with the sugar companies in a responsible way to help the countries design regulative uh, measures and policies um, to, help the, the, to help the health of their citizens, not just oral health, okay, because these, um, you know, sugars are also a part of other non-communicable diseases like diabetes, yeah, obesity, mm. etc. Okay. Mm. So, I mean, after... 23 years as a dentist and it's now led you to the humble smile foundation can you tell me a little bit about the impact that you know you guys are making in these countries that are sort of facing these issues yes well as i said so we are we are always looking for models of oral health promotion that are going to be most suitable for these communities now this is where humble smile foundation comes in mm-hmm. every community is actually different right it has its own set of circumstances, of, of assets, has its own cultures. And so what the Humble Smile Foundation does is it facilitates um, the design of oral health promotion models that are going to be specific for that particular community. Okay. Um, and so uh, we are involved in, in, a, in a really a large number of, uh, of vulnerable communities throughout the world. And in each one, we try to find the most suitable way for them to, to prevent, uh, to prevent mainly it's about, we're talking about tooth decaying children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, can, I can mention some of these if you're interested to hear like what that sounds like. Yeah, of course. And okay. so for example, uh, in Africa, this is actually a nice story because it gives you an idea of how we work. So we, we were invited uh, to a kingdom in Africa called the Enderbelly Kingdom. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. I hadn't heard of it either, but it's a huge, it, it, encom- it's, it encompasses like four countries, Botswana, Zimbabwe, South Africa. It's, anyway, and uh, we're invited by the king because they had uh, dental problems. So we were like the first dental professionals ever to go out there. And um, so one of the first things we always do is we, we want to go into the schools because it's, you know, all children around the world go to school. So it's a great place to, to, to meet them and to survey and to figure out what's going on. And we, we, really look at, we really look at what they eat and drink and what they do. And like most schools around the world, they have a, a kiosk, right, a canteen. Mm-hmm. We, we call it a tuck shop in Australia. Yeah, right. Tuck shop. And they have a tuck shop. And, we, and you know what? We often find this, and it can be in Asia or Africa or anywhere, Usually there are these kind of women, usually elderly women, and they have a, a stall, a booth, and they're selling all sorts of things to the kids. And in the past, what, what we've done is, we, you know, and we found that they're selling sweet stuff because that's what kids love and that's what sells. And with no understanding that actually this is destroying their teeth. And I remind you, these are areas where they're not going to get dental treatment ever, so they're just going to have to live with, with pain and, and tooth mobility and abscesses. And can, no I quickly, can I quickly ask, at this point, before you've intervened at all, what does the average smart, like oral care routine look like for one of these children? 
Oh, well, you see, we, Darwin Smile Foundation will go to places where there is almost nothing, in other words, where they don't have toothbrushes, right? Because right. We, we look for the really hard cases, you know, that's where we're going to make the biggest impact. So really they don't have an oral care routine usually and they don't know much about it. Sometimes there's one toothbrush for the family, okay, which is also a problem, especially now with, with COVID. Mm. But, you know, this is something that might surprise you and the listeners. Oral, oral hygiene is not the main uh, determinant of disease. Again, it's, it's, the, it's nutrition. Right. It's the sugar. Okay. So they're the things that we're looking at. So, like, for example, you know, in Cambodia, we saw these women and they're selling, selling these sweets. And so what we do is we now work with these women to find alternative foods that they can sell to the children. Okay, so that's, we work with them. Uh, and at the same time, we work with the school to change the policy that we're not, they're no longer going to allow sweet things into the school. And then we also work with the kids. In this particular case, I'm thinking about Cambodia. Humble Smile Foundation bought all the sweets from these uh, stores in the school, paid for them. We had a huge ceremony. We loaded a tuk-tuk with all the sweet stuff. And, and we bid it farewell. We had a, had a whole thing. And from that point on, this school became an, uh, an, a health-promoting school. Okay. Right. So now getting back to Africa, we find these women, again, selling the sweets. And this time we thought, let's, let's, we, we have to find out a little bit about these women. <clears throat> and uh, so we did, we, did, we did research on the spot. And we soon realized that we've, we've stumbled across the go-go's, which you've probably never heard of. I've never heard of it, but in Africa, particularly in Southern Africa, Gogo's is an institution. It means grandmother, mm-hmm. but because of the uh, situation in these rural areas, um, the grandmother's taken on the, the major role of, of caring for the children because the adults have either moved to the cities to get work or they've died from uh, HIV. And so... Actually, what we decided to do here was to, and, and also the Gogos, because they're the primary care, the, the primary care people for the children, uh, they're very vested in, in, in the health of the kids and they want to do the best they can. Of course. And so we decided to make them our partners. And so now we partner with Gogo clubs because the Gogos actually organize themselves into societies. And they help each other and they support each other. Really quite incredible. And, and, and we find ways of supporting our go-go clubs and they help us uh, monitor and supervise uh, uh, daily toothbrushing in the schools and uh, proper nutritional policies at the schools, you see. Mm-hmm. So that's just, you know, a particular kingdom, a particular place in, in Africa, which you've now We've expanded that program and now we're doing a study in Uganda. The, the, the South African project is called Gogos Give Smiles. Mm-hmm. In Uganda, Gogos are Tatas. So this is going to be Tatas Give Smiles. So we expanded that as much as, uh, you know, as much as possible. But every location has its own, uh, has its own, uh, looks, looks different, has its own uh, way. Uh, working and i see what you're saying about what your foundation does it it would be very easy for you to just go in there fix the tooth decay do some fillings you know and leave some toothbrushes and leave but instead you're actually going to the root cause of the issue itself 
you know, such as, you know, the, the canteen and the sweets and not them not understanding what that's actually having on a, a larger scale impact. And you're fixing that with them and you're educating them so that when you do leave, it's not going to get worse again. It's going to continue to get better. That makes perfect sense. Uh, that's what you said is what most people think and, 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 it's, and it's true, but not completely true because mm -hmm. we are not about education. And the reason is because we are still dentists at Humble Smile Foundation, right? We're just looking at things differently. But being a dentist means that we're evidence-based. So we will only do things or interventions that, that have evidence, all right? And there's never been any evidence for education, all right? So just telling the children, telling uh, in any, you know, the most creative, most, you know, the most powerful way will, will, has never been proven to work, strange as that might seem. Mm. So what we really go for uh, are behavioural changes. In other words, if we, if we no longer have sweets being sold at the canteen, that's, they're not going to be uh, getting those sugars, right? It's not a matter of education. Yep. Education comes into it on a very minor level. We might do that with the teachers in the classrooms, but just out of respect so they understand why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, okay? of course. What we're doing is we're instituting behavioural changes, if it's nutritional, if it's oral hygiene, like toothbrushing with a fluoride toothpaste on a daily basis. These sort of things uh, are what's needed. And, uh, and education mm -hmm. is, is not, uh, doesn't get the results. But it's more education for you know, the teachers, as you said, and the go-go's and educating them as to why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah. You know, those, those are the people that are so important and it's worth investing education in them because they're, it all, the sustainability of the project is ultimately mm -hmm. dependent on them. And that's another big part of what we do at Humble Smart from that foundation, particularly during this pandemic, is we, we, we strengthen uh, and maintain the, the connections with the communities through mm -hmm. our change agents, whether they're go-go's or school teachers or, you know, whatever. Right, right. So if I'm an everyday dentist and I really want to get involved in something like this, what's, what's a good first step for me? Okay, if you're a dentist. Yes. Right. Okay, um, if you're a dentist with experience and what you know how to do is, is clinical dentistry, mm -hmm. then what we, and, and we, we do want to we will never turn anyone away so we get dentists with experience that want to be involved so we find ways to involve them and, and in this situation what we do is we have a community in uh, southern africa it's an informal settlement these are these are immigrants that have come from all sorts of surrounding countries um, which is a you know rural urban migration which is happening a lot because of financial reasons Mm -hmm. And these informal settlements pop up, and, and one of them is called Malusi, uh, just outside of Pretoria. And um, we have a um, collaboration with the University of Pretoria, and, and it's called, there's a program called um, Community Orientated Primary Care. And it's a great example of what we do because we, um, we have uh, 20 community health workers that are familiar with the inhabitants are about 20,000 people and they live in shacks. And, and so Humble Smile Foundation rides on that and, and brings in the oral health promotion uh, for these people. And part of that, there is 
uh, a dental container clinic, a kind of a mobile clinic, which was donated by Rotary. And if uh, a problem has been encountered, if someone has a serious issue, you know, like pain or an abscess, they will be referred for urgent treatment to the dental clinic. Mm-hmm. And that's where we bring in our dental, our dentist volunteers that have lots of experience and they'll be very right. comfortable doing surgery and doing what has to be done. But the point is that we're not the type of organisation that will just set up a mobile clinic somewhere. This is only because it's part of a much uh, bigger program, which is uh, primary care, preventive and community orientated. Right, right. So outside of something like tooth decay, which I'm sure is the most common issue that you're facing, what are some of the more uh, more common issues that you're also facing? Is it cancers, periodontitis, you know, tooth trauma? What are some of the other common ones that you see in these communities? Yeah, I'd say the biggest one is uh, is tooth decay because of the nutrition which we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then the other ones uh, you have in India, in India particularly, um, there is a big problem of tobacco. They're chewing tobacco, they're smoking tobacco, and they're getting uh, oral cancer. Mm-hmm. So our, our program in India, which is called uh, Healthy Homes, it's kind of like the Malusi one in Africa, but in a, in a slum in uh, Mumbai, um, is about not only about sugars and oral hygiene and nutrition, but it's also about tobacco. Because that's a very difficult thing to change because it's part of the culture. It's something that the kids see at home and it takes a lot of creativity um, and effort uh, to change behaviours. Changing behaviours is probably the most difficult thing there is. It sounds simple, Mm. But to, to implement, to execute, it's, it's very difficult to do. So I would say cancers. And then there's also, you know, traumas, um, you know, gum diseases. And there's another, there's another um, disease which is not very common, but it's more common than, than, than it's known, and that's called NOMA. You've probably never heard of NOMA. It only happens in very remote places, it's a childhood disease. It's, if you get it, it's an infectious disease uh, which starts off with a small sore and ends up literally eating away at the face. And in 90% of the cases, it results in death of the child. Oh, wow. And the sad reason that this is an unknown disease is because of uh, in, in the society where this happens, it's considered embarrassing to have a child like that in the family. So they just kind of remove them or hide them away and they don't until seek help. they die. So we're also trying to raise uh, awareness about NOMA. And this is also something which has finally now made the, uh, the World Health Agenda as well, uh, recognising mm-hmm. NOMA. We, it has to be researched. It's not fully understood. Um, so we see, we see lots of different things. Mm-hmm. There's, there's lots of different diseases. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that uh, now there is a shift uh, and uh, in, within the profession, which is recognizing that uh, we need to look uh, rural, we need to look uh, globally, uh, mm-hmm. and we need to have have a community and people centered. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, it's so great to hear that global oral health is growing and becoming more sort of recognized. And there's more people putting their hand up to help as well, which is it's just incredible. So, for your foundation, what's next for the Humble Smile Foundation? Okay, well, I'm glad you asked that. We've got so many uh, exciting things uh, going on. I think 
one of the most exciting ones is the use of artificial intelligence. So whatever solutions we're going to come up with for, for these people, we're going to use, you know, the best, the best, you know, tools available. And so we um, are lucky to, to have a collaboration with a company in Paris called Dental Monitoring, which has, which does a, uh, uh, it does an oral screening, which means um, a person opens their mouth and, and you're able to get a complete picture used just using a phone of, of, of the mouth, including uh, all the problems, uh, all the teeth and, and everything. And, and because it's so simple to do, what this means is that oral health uh, surveillance or, or, or surveying oral health in the community can now be done by non-dental personnel. You see, right. one of the big limitations of dentistry is that it's done by dentists, okay? And there are no dentists out in these places, as we've said. So we now have a technology that can be in the hands of just a community health worker uh, or, or some other worker that can just be trained very quickly. And then they can get all the, in the information, that the oral health status of, of, of a person within two minutes, all the information is stored. We can use that information to help us appropriate uh, resources in primary care or to flag a condition, send them off to an emergency or to follow our interventions over time and see what's working, what's not working. We can find connections between lifestyles and diseases because part of the screening is also asking questions so uh, about their lifestyles. So I think um, artificial intelligence, I think, is the most exciting thing moving forward for us. Mm, that sounds like a big jump forward in terms of at least the care that you can provide and the things you can do for these communities, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and it's such a powerful tool because you can then go to government and you can show them real numbers. And that hasn't mm, been statistics. Yeah, now. right. If I go to a government now and we do advocacy, that's part of what we do. You know, we say well, we're in this community and we saw this. But when you come with like huge data, that's showing this it's it's very hard not to act on that it's irrefutable that's right i mean at that point it's very easy for them to make a decision based on what they need to do mm. that's right um so where can our listeners find out more about this do you have a website that we can plug yes humblesmile.org um there is a, a button there get involved and then there are different ways you can get involved depending on mm. on who you are and what you are so if you're dentists we can offer uh, volunteering uh, if you're a dental student uh, you can come on a on a mission you can join us as, as an intern we've just started uh, a, a new student leadership in all in global oral health initiative and we and the first cohort is starting in a few weeks this is for dental students um, we're open to dental hygienists and you know anyone who wants to get involved in this even you know if you're from industry or from the academia, um, we will find a way of getting you involved because this is, um, you know, multidisciplinary uh, approach. Mm. And for anyone listening, I strongly recommend visiting the website and just checking out the projects that Humble Smile Foundation has done because, you know, it's very heartwarming and it is very inspiring um, 
So yeah, that's incredible work and it's great to hear about it. But that's just about all the time we've got anyway, Darren. Um, but before we wrap up, I would love to jump into some quick fire questions with you, which is a segment we do at the end of every episode. So I'm gonna hit you with a few questions and I'd love to hear the first answer off the top of your head. Okay. All right, first question. Did you have a role model in the early days of your career? Yes, I think the person that most inspired me in first year dentistry is a person called John Snow. And he's actually the father of epidemiology. Epidemiology is a word we've all become familiar with now. Mm -hmm. But before Corona, I don't think many people knew what epidemiology was. Basically, John Snow uh, um, stopped an epidemic in London by removing the handle of a well that people were drinking contaminated from. So uh, that inspired me because it was a simple intervention. It was a community-orientated intervention. And it was done based on investigation where he had plotted where the deaths had occurred in London and he saw a pattern and he realised it was the well. He took the handle off without even knowing about microbiology and, and germs back then. Yep. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of things that you can take away from that and compare them to what you're doing today. So I think that's a great role model to have. All right. So question number two, name one person in your industry whose work you currently admire. Well, uh, actually, there are many and we're very fortunate to have uh, dentistry's top uh, leaders as our uh, ambassadors, which is very interesting that, um, you know, dentistry is, the profession is very in support of what we're doing. They recognize that what we're doing is necessary. So I, you know, Christian Coachman is the guy who brought uh, digital dentistry to the world. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a dentist uh, called Miguel Stanley in Portugal, who, who I just admire so much for, for his energy and everything that, that he does. He's just never ending, never stops mm. thinking and moving forward. And he's recently come up with uh, the concept of slow dentistry. Slow dentistry, yeah, we're familiar. And also a very, you know, a very valuable asset to have, yeah. Very. And, and one, one other guy uh, who you know, Fadi Asmin, a good friend uh, in Sydney, also a bit of an inspiration for me. He finds, uh, he's the kind of guy that finds time to do the right things, even though he's very, very busy in what he does. And there are, there are many, many people out there uh, that are sources of uh, inspiration for me. Mm. No, definitely. I mean, three incredible people you've named and all people who I look up to as well. So a great answer for that one, I think. Uh, all right, let's jump to question three. If this wasn't your profession, Darren, what would you be doing instead? I believe I would be doing something in creative and maybe film, maybe like a film cameraman or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think out of every single dentist we've had on the podcast so far, all of them have said something creative, something either architecture or, you know, film or something such. Yeah. So it's becoming a bit of a trend, I think. Interesting. But it's too late for me to change now. I'm, I'm in deep. Too yeah. deep. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's jump to question four and final question. For all of the young people finishing their degrees out there, what is your most valuable piece of advice for them? Yeah, I, I think that um, they should see their uh, formal training as a, as a background, as a basis, but that they should create their own way forward in the profession. They should look at what's going on. They should be familiar with what their talents are and what their abilities are and that they should, they should find their own way uh, within the profession because there's so much happening now out there in the world and it needs to 
to, to do the osmosis and get and, and, mm. and, and come into dentistry. We need to um, ad, uh, adapt uh, many, many of the technologies and, and things that are going on in the world of the dentistry to keep dentistry, you know, to get dentistry back in the forefront. So, you know, flexibility and openness and, and knowing your abilities. Mm. Well said. Well, to all of our listeners, humblesmile.org is the website. Please go visit and have a look at what Darren and his incredible team have accomplished over the years. I'm really looking forward to sort of watching you, you know, along the way and all the things that you're going to achieve in future. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for joining us on Dental IQ today, Darren. And hopefully we'll have you back soon to talk about your next project. Thank you so much for having me, Fabio. Thank you for, to High Smile, uh, to Dental IQ. And it's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Dental IQ. If you enjoyed the podcast, please follow us and leave a rating. And you can also find us on Instagram at dental underscore IQ. If you'd like to join us on Dental IQ or have any topics that you want us to cover, you can reach me at fabio at dentaliq.com.au. Thank you so much for joining us again. We hope to catch you next week. Dental IQ is produced by Highsmile.